Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Queso Podcast with me, your host, Jennifer Perkins. I'm an Austin, Texas crafter who spends most days gluing stuff to stuff and preaching the gospel that pom-poms make everything better. However, this podcast is my side of hustle. Think of these conversations as one-hour mini mastermind sessions where I get to talk to people about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. Today's episode is more artsy than craftsy, but the business side of the conversation is always there. So what does your dream life look like? Does it involve writing a book, living in Mexico City, having your watercolor art licensed by Paper Source, and teaching painting classes in Morocco? It sounds like a pretty dreamy life to me, and it's the exact life of watercolor artist and entrepreneur Anna Victoria Calderon. Anna and I connected because of her new book, Creative Watercolor, a step-by-step guide for beginners. After talking with her, though, I've learned she is also a top teacher for Skillshare with several watercolor and business classes offered. Her work has been licensed by Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, and many others. My favorite part is she hosts a week-long event called the Magic Jungle, where attendees literally go into the lush jungles of Tulum, Mexico for a week and deep dive into their creativity and learn about brand strategy and color psychology, all while eating delicious food in a gorgeous and inspiring surrounding. I feel inspired just saying that stuff out loud, and I bet you do too. Imagine how you will feel after listening to this entire episode of the Creative Queso Podcast. (laughs) All right, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're a super busy lady. You're a newlywed. You're planning your retreat in Morocco in a few months. And now you are also an author. So let's start with your new book, Creative Watercolor, a step-by-step guide for beginners, since that's kind of how we we first connected. So was a book something you had felt was missing from your business? You already, you know, like I said, you do the retreats, you have the online classes, and your work is licensed through places like Paper Source and Amazon. Had you just always wanted to do a book? Hi, Jen. Okay, first of all, thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, a book, I was always interested in a book, but I didn't know exactly what it would look like. Mm -hmm. And then I think sort of my watercolor career started to grow a lot towards the teaching side. Um, So I started to notice that people were even more interested in, in sort of learning how to make the art I was I was creating versus wanting to buy specific prints or pieces. And, and that's still part of, of what I do, but um, just like the whole learning part grew and grew. And eventually uh, my publisher found me through, uh, I think it had to do with like my Skillshare classes and Instagram and, and all that. And um, so, yeah, the, the book, the book that I wrote ended up being um, sort of around my method on how I teach and the subject matter is different than the online stuff, but it's still the same, the same method. So that's how it came to be. And it's the book that ended up working for me and I'm really happy with it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a beautiful book. I mean, there's so much like good stuff in there. Do you, it says it's for beginners, 
but what about people like me that are that are watercolor challenged <laughs> well the I think it's like a beginner guide because the first chapter is the first two chapters are just like super basic uh you know supplies what kind of paints you can use and then there's um just a bunch of warm-up activities for people that have never used watercolors but then the next chapters get into more complex stuff like um like painting certain motifs and how to bring all of your watercolor paintings into life's beautiful moments so it's um what i really like about the book is that i see a lot of people you know dabble in watercolor and they really enjoy the process but then when time comes to actually do something with our watercolor paintings they just kind of end up having this big stack of of paintings that they don't know what to use how to use or what to do with them. And so this book sort of like teaches you how to integrate your paintings and your projects into real life. So like, uh, like, as you said, I recently got married and I made, uh, there's actually a chapter in the book that, that talks about uh, florals and, and lettering and all this. And I made place cards for every single person that came to the wedding with flowers. And it was really cool to see how this little tiny piece of art you know, people appreciated it so much and it made the whole event even more special. And some of my uh, guests even took their name cards back home and like framed them. And Aww. so it's really sweet. Yeah. And like, that's basically the whole idea surrounding the book is there's just all these different, you know, craft ideas and how to, how to actually make gifts and, and, and bring these watercolors into your life and not just have it all be in this like folder in a dark room or something. Right. I, I think that not even just watercolor. I mean, I feel like lots of us that do, you know, whether you're an artist or a crafter, you kind of end up with this like piles of things you've made. And I think that's especially art. I think that's like a good lesson. Like, well, now what do I do with it? I've got all this stuff. And I was going to ask you, if you used your, if you did your invitations or that kind of thing. So you just answered <laughs> questions. I figured you probably did. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, I did. And, um, and as you said, it's not, it's not specific to watercolor. It just so happens that watercolor is a really easy medium for people to pick up. Mm -hmm. And um, just cause it's so portable and available, but a lot of people kind of pick it up and it, as opposed to gouache or acrylics where um, it's simple in the way that you uh, you can layer paint and it's kind of uh, intu more intuitive in that way. And watercolor does have its weird tricks where, um, you know, don't add too much because then you won't be able to erase it or paint over it. And so um, I think that's why a lot of people are intrigued by it because it's, it's easy and fun, but it, then at the same time, you do need these certain tricks to to get the results that you want. And um, so that's, I think, like the combo of the whole watercolor thing that's going on right now. Everyone's so interested in it. And um, But as you said, all kinds of artists just, you end up making all this stuff and then you do what I do with it, right? <laughs> it's a story of my life. Yeah. So here's your answer. Creative, creative watercolor has so many ideas. It's like, every chapter has a project that you can make at home. Um, no, it, it felt like that, like not just another, like, here's a method painting book. It felt, it has that element, but then it also felt like once you learn how to do these watercolor skills, like here's something to do with it. So I know in there you talk about all the different 
you know, there's all kinds of brushes and papers and wet and dry, but for like, let's say a beginner or maybe somebody wanted to gift your book to someone who said, I've always wanted to learn watercolor besides paper and brushes. Like, what do you recommend? Like what's easier to work with? Like pan, tube or liquid? Unlike other paints, it seems like watercolor comes in a bunch of different variations. Yeah. And actually there's a whole, there's a whole chapter on that where I explain the differences between, uh, like pan sets and watercolor tubes. And, uh, there's also liquid watercolors, which the most uh, common brand is star is Dr. PH Martins. Um, and so like I personally, the way I like to paint is I, I do a mix and match of all this stuff, but I go through every like pro and con of each type of paint and, um, so it is like there's a huge guide for anyone wanting to watercolor and it all depends on what you have available too. Like if you found some old watercolors from college or something, they probably still work. Um, Cause what's cool about watercolors is that they don't really dry out. You They can always be activated with, with water. So as opposed to like acrylics, for example. Um, so it's a uh, very, very liberating to know that you can use all these different types of supplies and it doesn't matter if you have everything or just one, you can still make beautiful, beautiful paintings. Yeah. And, and like you said, you, the book is nice because you're there to kind of hold everybody's hand <laughs> through the, through the learning curve. Of oh yeah. What works best. Not only are you inspired, yeah. but it's very instructional. Yeah. And also there's a lot of, I've, I've noticed that, um, kind of like buying art supplies is an addiction too. People love to to walk into an art supply store and, oh, this looks cool. Or sometimes you might buy this like weird metallic paint or something that you saw, but you never knew how to use it or you don't really know what to do with this. I give a lot of sort of tips and ideas on how to use different inks and pens or whatever you have lying around, just how to embellish your art with these different supplies. Even glitter, even though it sounds cheesy or too crafty or something, it can look very beautiful and professional if you if you apply it the right way. No, yeah, I saw the project where you kind of like dip the edges of something in the glitter. Like, isn't that a project in the book? Like just like the edge, or maybe I saw it on your website and I was like, ooh, look at that fancy glitter work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of different uh, tips like that to make it all look very glamorous. To uh, elevate your watercolor. So creative watercolor is really full of like flora, fauna, and all kinds of fruit and all that kind of stuff. You were raised in Mexico and still live there. Does that tend to influence your work quite a bit, all your surroundings? Um, I, I think so because um, I was raised in Cancun, which is probably one of the most famous parts of Mexico. And it's really thought of, I think that a lot of people, when they think of Cancun, think of like spring break or hotels and stuff. <laughs> but mm -hmm. The Cancun that I grew up in was really different. It was all about nature and, you know, the Caribbean. And we were barefoot as kids all the time and just all this, you know, florals and so I do feel like that that definitely has a lot of influence in my art, uh, especially the nature, the whole nature part. And then now living in Mexico City, it's really cool because this city is sort of like a, it's sort of like if New York and LA were <laughs> kind of mashed together and placed here in Mexico in the sense that it's very cultural and vibrant and everything's going on here. So there's a lot of different artists and 
uh, it's just like a cultural mecca. And so that's really influential and inspiring too. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't look at pictures of Mexico city and not feel like, like I want to make something or create something that looks like this complete magical place. I mean, as is Cancun, I mean, I can remember going there in the eighties as a kid and like how beautiful it all was, you know, everything around it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, as I said, like it, like a lot of people think of Cancun as this, you know, kind of crazy tourist destination, but the actual nature aspect of it is, it's just fabulous. It's like nothing I've ever seen. And I've, I've traveled quite a bit and, and I don't think I've ever seen an ocean that color, even in, you know, remote islands and stuff. So it's, it's a really a special place for me. And, and, um, I'm grateful that I got to grow up in such a kind of wild place because <laughs> it also made me very free. And uh, I don't know, I just, I, I really love living in Mexico. And um, I'm glad to see that a lot of people are kind of opening up to, especially Mexico City. It's become a huge, huge destination in the past two years. I walk the streets and it's like a, just this international place now. And it's really fun to see that. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's what I mean. I keep seeing... I keep seeing it pop up on all these, you know, kind of travel influencer type places as this hot destination. And also another big place I keep seeing is Tulum, which you have a special place in your heart for. I want to hear more about the magic jungle retreats that you do in Tulum from the pictures and the descriptions and magic pretty much looks like the exact way I would describe it. Everything in the pictures looks like ethereal and inspiring, like from the food to the location, the art. How did you get started hosting that? I love it. That's the definition of, um, it is magic. It is like the magic jungle. That's exactly what, it looks what like happened. It. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Um, so, so, uh, Tulum is, just uh, about two hours away from Cancun. So if you're coming to Tulum, you fly to Cancun. And so it's also a place that I grew up close to. And um, like the the whole story behind it is actually really inspiring because my sister and I, who both are creative entrepreneurs, we both have our like independent artistic businesses. Um, I'm, I'm in painting and she's in other fields, but it's both creative and we, by, I think it was 2016, 2017, we had saved enough money where we wanted to make an investment and, uh, which was like a huge thing, right? Being a creative is so, it can be really challenging and the financial aspect of it can always, um, I mean, it's a, I know it's a struggle and, but like we were celebrating cause we were like, oh, we've saved this money now and, and let's, let's invest, let's do something. So we found a piece of land in Tulum and we bought it and <laughs> um it was really cool because it was it was part of this development called holistica which was just just starting out and we it was like this mini retreat center and our land was in this whole development so we thought how cool would it be to celebrate our success as creatives by giving back to other women and we teamed up with our friend nadia who is kind of like a soulful branding expert, um, Nadia Payan, and she's, she's amazing. And we created a program to uh, teach other women, you know, what we've learned in our personal creative processes. 
and also opening up a space for people to be inspired in the jungle, which is, there's nothing like painting in this like gorgeous nature setting. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how it, that's how it all came to be. Uh, we're hosting our fourth retreat soon. There's like more, more coming, but, um, that's basically what it is. It's a, it's, it's a week long where we host women. There's everything's like included in your package. It's like, uh, you know, all the meals and all the workshops and the classes and the program. And basically the whole idea behind the program is the kind of stuff that what, what we do, including you, Jennifer is like so different than anything that can be taught in college or, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm having your own creative business has all these aspects to it that um, we feel that a lot of, uh, for example, like universities can't even catch up with these kinds of uh, programs, including, you know, how about if you're an artist, you can also have a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so we cover all this kind of stuff, everything from your, you know, what it looks like to be an artist and have your branding and without kind of selling yourself or, you know, it, it's a lot of like soulful work too, but it definitely helps um, just women develop their, their creative passions and businesses. And it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I noticed when I was like reading it, like, and those are my favorite kinds of things. Like that just sounds like a dream retreat for me where it's like, you do creative things, but then you also like had on the itinerary topics, like, you know, brand strategy or working with companies. Like, so it's like a two for one special because I think, like you said, like you can't teach that in school. And plus our industry and market is changing so quickly all the time. You know what I mean? By the time you, by the time a college tried to make a lesson plan for that, it would be like outdated. So like these immersive experiences, like you're creating are like the perfect way to kind of learn both sides of that. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. It's so, it's changing so quickly. And even us year by year, we update and update our program because what Instagram used to mean a couple of years ago isn't the same as it is today. Mm -hmm. And um, also there's like a class we have there that's, uh, it's just different source ideas for different sources of, of income for creatives, no matter, you know, if you're a painter uh designer or whatever you might be, there's all these different uh, ways to make money that you might have not thought of. And it's really cool to sort of spark this creativity and also connect with other women who are in the same journey. Um, and it's, that's our favorite part to see how all the women learn from each other and, and inspire each other. And it's just so, so special to, to see that happen. And it's uh, really not, we don't really give ourselves the time to the you know it's called they're called retreats for a reason right like you retreat from from your everyday life and really focus on yourself and and how you want to how you're feeling and how you want to grow creatively and and just like connecting with women that you would have never met otherwise so uh i don't know we we really think it's 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 something very special and and it's been an honor to to host all these retreats and i hope to to continue doing so Right. I know. Just looking at the pictures, I'm like, Ooh, that's a bucket list one. Like I got to yeah. go and all the, and like I said, all the classes. And then another class I saw that really intrigued me because I have a degree in psych is I was like, what is color psychology? Oh my God. Oh, you do. That's so awesome. I didn't know that Jen. <laughs> that's I mean, awesome. It's a 20 year old degree now that I don't use, but 
it's just a, um, yeah, I get what you mean. Like the, I think that part is so appealing to everyone because, uh, creativity is so connected with emotions and expression and, uh, not only the way you express yourself, but how do other people see you? Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, we have this, it's a very different kind of color class. It's very, it's more mood oriented and, and it's, uh, it's just, it's really cool. And then, you know, based on that, you kind of like develop your own color palette on these new ideas that we have. So, uh, it's really exciting. And that's actually, that color part is a new, new addition we just added last year and it, and it's become one of our favorites. And, you know, as I say, we, it, it's, it just changes so much so quickly mm-hmm. and, you know, what we're doing here, all of these sort of creative entrepreneurs, it's something that has never existed before. And it's really exciting and really happy to see people like, like you, for example, that I love that you have a podcast like this. It's so cool. <laughs> well, cause you know, not every, I mean, my logic was not everybody can, you know, go to retreats or sometimes as you know, being an artist or creative or a solopreneur can be isolating. And I think those experiences of being in those immersive retreat interactive type things can be so like beneficial and eye-opening or you might go like oh I never thought about the psychology of color but if you can't attend those things or you live in you know some small town where you can't have like a group painting session you know conversations like this via podcast I think are so important for people I recently did this talk at, at Skillshare headquarters and and what you're talking about right now like what you just said is exactly what the whole thing is about, how people don't really talk about how lonely it can be to be an artist because you're, you're in your studio all day or most of the time alone. Mm-hmm. And having, you know, a lot of people, um, they may, some people even might complain about a day job or whatever, but they're, they're actually interacting with people. And you know, it's like, you get to see people all day and we don't get to see anyone. <laughs> right. And it's like, you have an excuse to put on makeup and get dressed. Yeah. Oh my God. How many days have you, has it been like nighttime and you're still in your PJs or whatever? Oh, so many. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I took a shower. Like it needs to happen today, but exactly people. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, you know, I was just talking with a girl the other day on the podcast and she was commenting too, and you may also experience this. The other thing is like, if you're married or your spouse or your partner does have a job where they interact with people all day, like sometimes like when they walk in the door, you're like a puppy, like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I've been alone all day. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I've been in an office, like interacting with people all day long. Like just give me a minute, you know? So sometimes even in your relationships, if you're in opposite like types of industries, like it can be. It can be a struggle. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's so true. And um, but you know what though? I feel like so some people have it that way where they go to an office and they see people and like, okay, these are the people you get to interact with. But on the other hand, I feel like us creatives uh, or like, you know, solo entrepreneurs or solo, you know, indie artists or whatever you want to call us, that um we have the opportunity to create our own community, which is what I think is the best ever. You get to sort of see who you're interested in and just the same way that we got connected, um, you know, you never know, like you can develop friendships and then uh, you, hey, I'll be in your town or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I've had so many friends that I make through 
either workshops, retreats, or even Instagram where it's like, okay, I have my own community and it doesn't look like uh, what a office job kind of community looks like, or, but I have my own. And, and I think that's great. And I think it's really important for all creatives to, to do their best and get out there. And if an artist is starting out, uh, a great way to do that is to enroll yourself in craft fairs and, you know, talk to people and show your art and, uh, you know, just try to get going and, and, and meet people and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the whole, the yeah, whole thing. they can, they can, those people can end up, you know, lifelong friends. I have so many of my like closest friends are like via the creative community. And I met, I met some like non-traditional artsy way. And like, now we're still like so close and it's true. You kind of have to like, you have to make your own network when you are a, a creative at home. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it might mean that you have to reach out more and kind of like take the risk of, I mean, what's the worst that can happen if you approach someone, they just ignore you or whatever. Right. (laughs) But then if it, if it turns out good, you can, as you say, like you make your best friends that way. That's, that's the same for me. Like I have my childhood friends and all that, and that's great. But then I have this whole other community and it's uh, mostly women too, which is fun. And we get to talk about this stuff, the kind of stuff that you and I are, are talking about now. And I love that. Yeah, it, it is. It's a it's an awesome experience and something, something that I think some occasionally you and people in our industry we take for granted that like the bonus part of it is that we're getting to make all these connections and friendships. Um, I want to go back to Tulum real quick. Now, if when you're not there, what are you doing with that space you own? Do you like Airbnb it or what do you what do you do? <laughs> well, okay, so it's actually it's two different things. So the piece of like where we host it is, is, uh, it's on its, it's like a thing on its own. It's uh, a working hotel and it has a working restaurant and all that, but that's, we don't own that. Like that's a, like the, like, as if, like, if you were to buy land somewhere that had like a clubhouse or something like that, <laughs> it's sort of like that. Um, but this is the, the, like the epicenter of the entire development is actually like a working retreat center in a hotel. And oh. Yeah, so on the outskirts, there's different lots that uh, were were sold and now are being developed, and and that's where we that's where we bought our piece of land. So like we're part of the whole the bigger thing, but like the whole retreat center is run independently. So we just uh, go there a couple times a year. Okay, I got you. Now you know today I was reading on um, artsy.com and it was talking about a new. I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to say it at all. Like A Z U L I K. Oh, Azulik. Yeah. yeah, outside of Tulum, is that anywhere? Yeah, yeah. You it's and- uh, Azulik is amazing. So, so Tulum is like this crazy place where, um, it started out being just tiny little bungalows, no electricity. Like that's how I remember it as a kid, and now it's developed into this like crazy like architectural dream. And there, it's just like this sounds like kind of um millennial-ish but like it's a total Instagram dream oh no it looks like it I totally get it yeah everything is like a moment and it's like what is this place and and the food is like uh the it's all like delicious health food and uh, it's nothing is ordinary it's all like wow and so that's also why we we chose to invest in in Tulum because we saw this amazing stuff like growing growing and happening and it's a great place if you 
you know, love wellness and then you love beauty too, but, and there's also like a party you know, there's also partying, but if you don't party, that's like, we don't party. <laughs> so we're like, we have dinner at seven and that's pretty much it. <laughs> that sounds um, like that kind of party. Dinner yeah. in bed by nine. But you know, yeah, I see. I mean, I have friends that have been there with their kids and it looked. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. So it kind of seems like a little something beautiful for everyone. Well, I just thought of you cause I saw that it was going to be a big art center or art retreat and it is. It's a, it's a gallery. And okay. um, like I saw their stories the other day on Instagram and Alicia Keys was just ha- happened to walk through there and she started playing the piano they had there. Like that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Right. So, that is like a mystical Instagram worthy place. The whole. It the is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Beyonce vacations there and all that kind of stuff. I'm <laughs> but then, that. yeah. But then you can also still find these like really private, um, like we're on the jungle side and it's really cool and it's really like it's more of like a yoga wellness community and and uh we love I mean we really love it but everything's close by I mean you can visit all the all the cool attractions <laughs> right so you're not just like isolated out in the jungle no it looked like it looked like the best of both words worlds out there so besides Tulum last year you had a retreat in Sicily and then now this year you've got Morocco coming up so tell me, how'd you end up, how are you like setting those up? Is it the same person you partner with on the retreats there in Tulum or how did you end up in Marrakesh? Oh yeah. Um, well, these are, these are different kinds of retreats. Um, I've, the, the reason I'm so into these retreats is because I'm a, like, and you can also see this in the book is um, like, cool. Yeah. I'm a watercolor artist, but there's like so much more that I want to share with, with, um, this community. And, uh, part of it is the whole idea behind inspiration and travel. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I partnered up with a woman named Coco who runs a business called Travelure, And, uh, that's her business. She hosts, um, events and, and destinations, and she's like a travel planner. And, uh, we just, she she runs like the whole logistics and I run the creative program in these retreats. Um, and I, we hope to continue doing them too. They're, they've always been sold out, which is great. And that's, um, that's super fun to have people. I know that people are into it. And uh, the summer retreats are different than Magic Jungle. The summer retreats are more focused on just watercolor painting. So it's like every day there's like a watercolor workshop, there's studio time. There's planned outings. There's uh, it's a it's it's not um it's not necessarily like the personal growth stuff that we do at Magic Jungle. It's more of like a R and R kind of thing, just like relaxing and and painting and mm-hmm. being inspired. So it's more watercolor, watercolor all the time. Watercolor as for the other one is more like small business and and a little water. yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is the, the summer retreats are, which are usually called watercolors of. So last year was watercolors of Sicily. This year it's watercolors of Morocco. Um, next year we'll see what, what comes. There's always stuff in the works. And, uh, yeah, it's basically, it's basically just, um, you know, people that really want to paint, but it's hard to, for some people to find the time in their everyday life. No, it absolutely is. And he's like, you know, I had a friend who gifted me 
several years ago, uh, like a three day workshop by this artist that just happened to be traveling through Austin. She couldn't make it. So she gave me the tickets. And it's like, you forget, like if you're not a full-time artist or able to totally immerse yourself for a week or find the time, you know, where you're not having to stop and like, you know, find a new show on Netflix for your kids. How different. <laughs> how different your art can be and how deep you can go with it. Like my favorite pieces that I've ever created or painted were during that three days where, you know, you got, you kind of have that moment to retreat from the world and take that, that deep artistic dive. I love that Jen. And it's so true. And, um, I, you know, I, uh, I get a, a lot of, que the question that I think most artists get a lot is kind of like, where do you find your, your inspiration or how do you come up with all these paintings and ideas? And, and honestly, one of the biggest things is just kind of getting out of your everyday, whatever it is that you do, like shaking up your routine. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you can, if it's possible for you going on these experiences and retreats or I've seen like, it's such an impact on, on painters and creatives on, and what they made, before and after these experiences and the way they're just like their style developed or there's something that you, there's a scenery that you came across in this trip and you've never seen anything like that before. And it, you make something inspired by it. And then, you know, it shifts everything in your style from then on. And it, that's how you grow as an artist. And, um, I know not everyone has the chance to travel whenever they want, but there's like so much, you know, even weekend trips or whatever you have close by, just kind of like getting out there and, and seeing different parts of the world uh, is, it's such an inspiration. And, and um, I feel like that's, that's an important part in, in being a painter is seeing new things for your own eyes, you know, experiencing new cultures, seeing that not everyone lives the way that you do. And, um, it just enriches your, your soul in every way. Yeah. I mean, from your, exactly your soul and like your artistic skills. Have you ever, um, it's kind of new agey, but mm -hmm. have you ever read, uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? Oh my God. It's so crazy. So, so, uh, yeah, I know all about her, her book and my sister went to her retreat in person. Ooh. Yeah. She hung out with her and all that. And, um, I know there's all these like lists in the morning pages and, and all that. And uh, we've actually like implemented some of that in, in Magic Jungle because uh, it's such a cool way to really, it's, it takes a lot of searching, you know, like who am I, what do I, what do I like to do? And, and all this kind of stuff is, um, it, there's a lot of hard work, I think, behind being a creative and, um, it's work that not everyone sees until they see a final piece and mm -hmm. all the work that you did, including stuff like reading uh, the artist's way, or I really love obviously the Liz Gilbert book, the uh, big magic. Yeah. I mean, that's come on. It's such a beautiful book and, mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff is, is uh, it's little, you know, sprinkles into your work. Exactly. Well, I didn't, you know, she talks about in that book, I'm kind of like halfway through it right now but one of the things she talks about is like taking yourself on artist dates yes 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 and so those you know I think people should think of these like even you know a, a full-on retreat awesome but if you can't do a full-on retreat maybe treating yourself to like say one of your Skillshare classes as your artist date every week you know just expanding yeah. your and and even more so like take it a step further and 
be like, okay, maybe I want to take a, a class on Skillshare, but why don't I take my iPad to a park and be there alone all day, you know, lay out a little picnic for myself and paint there. And, and that's a real artist state, you know, like, like try to, try to give it that little extra. Exactly. You know, maybe going to a museum too. And I, I really like how Julia talks about the, I think she, she explains it as filling the well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like in the morning you do your morning pages and you release everything without even thinking. Right. And then, um, you need to fill the well, which is, okay, you dumped all this stuff, you know, from, from last night or from this morning. And, and then like, now let's, let's fill up your brain with new inspiration with, with uh, these artist states. So it's a great book. You're, you're, I'm so, it's so cool that you're reading that. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like it's coming back around all of this, all of this like deep dive within like art and creativity is kind of, you know, having a moment with where it's becoming a more, and you're really encompassing this in your retreats and your works and just talking to you about, you know, not, not just nourishing, you know, not just nourishing your artistic side, but you know, your mental side and your soul, like all, you know, it all comes out. Like if you're going to be a creative or an artist, like you need to take care of all those aspects in order for your art to, to be amazing. Oh, I, I totally agree. And um, we should not be afraid to dive deep because um I, living a creative life is is very special. It's so rewarding, and it's so different from from you know other uh, professions or even hobbies. And and so you know, I really do feel that it's about paying close attention to to yourself and your soul, and and following your creativity, and, and instead of your you know instead of fear, like chasing creativity and curiosity and. Um, and it's this whole thing and it's such a rewarding lifestyle. And I'm so happy as you say that it's, that there's a lot of people that are kind of coming around to, to what it really means to, to, to live this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the whole like big picture of the whole like artistic creative person is kind of have it, like I said, having, having a bit of a moment. So, you know, speaking of that and like artist dates and creativity and, you know, travel and how to stay inspired. I noticed on your website that you talked about, you know, just beyond watercolor that you're also interested in things like pottery and printmaking. Why do you think, do you, like, what do you think the importance is of artists also like dabbling in other mediums? Like I find myself always like, I literally took like a fabric marbling class a while back. I'm about to take a punch needle class. Like for me, I know personally because I have the crafty ADD that's like a big thing I have to always be like trying something new like it how does that affect you trying like new things does it come through in your like primary watercolor works I love that you're taking all these classes that's so fun I it's been a it's been a while since I um kind of I used to take more classes I think but now uh, since my wedding was coming up for this whole past year, it was more about doing crafts like for the wedding. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun because, uh, like for example, the table runners we did like these tie dye with indigo tie dye. Uh, that was like my my bachelorette thing. Like a bridal shower was a DIY crafty party. Yeah, that was <laughs> and what was, dyeing. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did that. We did. You know, the table runners were that each one was different and special and like. 
my friends and I made them together, which was so fun to see them, you know, on the big day, look so beautiful. And uh, we did like this, you know, just like looking on Pinterest and we did a backdrop with these ribbons and, um, you know, all, all this fun Yay. crafty stuff. And, and I feel like it's, I feel like it's important to, to always use your hands in any way possible because you can, you can even find inspiration in, in that, you know, like, or see, or see your style in a different medium. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that, that helps you really grow as an artist as well. And then you might discover something that you didn't know about yourself. You know, heard of many artists or creators that, oh, I used to do illustration and then I took a pottery class and now I have my whole business around this, uh, these ceramics. And, um, so I feel like it's, it's really cool to always evolve and always learn new things and always try to just keep, you know, as you say, the keep, keep your hands moving in, in different areas. And you can also meet new people when you try these new stuff, these new things out. So, um, I think it goes back to the community and also the, the growth as an artist in, in general. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, it's funny when I took you saying that made me think like when I took the, the fabric marbling class the other day, one of the girls I took it with, one of them is a like tools leather for a living. The other girl runs like a STEM slash steam workshop place for kids. And then I met a girl there who said she had like a degree that specialized in book binding, but now she's a potter, you know, but everybody took this fabric marbling and then they were all walking away going like, Ooh, wouldn't this be beautiful? Like on a book cover? Ooh, I wonder if I could marble leather. And you know, that's what I see from like going outside of your creative comfort zone. Like you never know how it's going to like trickle back into. What I you- love that. I love that. And it's also, it's, it's so important to, to just to know the value in authenticity and, and, and uniqueness. And I know that the, that it might be a little bit intimidating now, especially like if you're a, a newer artist that's maybe up and coming and trying to get something going, you might see the whole picture and be like, but there's so many artists out there already making all this cool stuff. And um, what I would say is that it always comes down to joy. And are you enjoying this? And are you, you know, if you're not enjoying painting, maybe you shouldn't be a painter and you know, like, that part should be easy. Like the, I want to make stuff and you shouldn't be having to force yourself to, to do some, do something. And, um, so that's why I think that also, you know, following whatever your, whatever kind of like gets you going and, Oh, that class looks interesting. Like, let's, let's do that. And, um, as you said, like all these, other, these people that you met at the marbling class now will have something you know, even more unique in their, in their whole portfolio and they can integrate it into their own craft. And it's just, I don't, I just feel like it's so important to just keep on, keep on learning constantly. Yeah. Always be kind of, I always, I look at it as like my little, my crafty toolbox. And then it's like, you were talking about too, like filling your well, like, you know what I mean? You, you got to always keep filling your well. And I also think that sometimes as creatives, we feel like in solopreneurs, we constantly have to be doing something that is going to like help our, you know, add to our income. And I think sometimes a lot of people fall victim to, well, if I made this, like 
you know, should I be selling it? Could I sell it? Like, and sometimes it's like, sometimes you can just take a marbling class to take a marbling class too, you know, like, people need to remember that. You're so right. You're so right. And I, I feel like that's a really tricky area, the, the whole income thing. And, um, I, one thing that I would always suggest to any artist or illustrator, or even, you know, maybe you're a graphic designer or whatever is to have personal projects and, you know, sometimes the biggest and, and not do it because something amazing is going to come after. Just do it because you're enjoying it and it's your personal project and you want to explore this. And then you never know, like something even bigger can come from that. But you, you took this class, you did this because, because joy, like the word is joy. You're happy mm -hmm. to be doing it. And, and, um, I think that that's, that's such an important thing, thing to know that it's not like, it's not like you have to sell everything that you make. Exactly. I think, I just think a lot of creative people fall into that, yeah. you know, that trap, like with Etsy and all the, you know, all the other, like, you know, you should have a Shopify store and you should have an Etsy store and you should have a blog. And, you know, it's hard not to fall into that, yeah. especially now, like I'm old enough to where, you know, I was kind of, I predate some of that stuff. I mean, I definitely feel the influence now, but yeah, I feel like nowadays it really does feel like that, like, we should sell it or, or if people want to sell it, which is also great. You touched on this a second ago. I think some people get discouraged because they think to themselves like, well, so many people already do that, but everybody needs to remember, like there's always space in the world for your voice and your spin on things. Yeah, for sure. And you can imagine Jen, how much we, especially at magic jungle, how much we, we deal with, with this and, and with, you know, women from all over the world, being confused by this and you know should I even open a shop or how do I even know if anyone's gonna like this or mm -hmm. and you know what we really I was talking to my sister Maggie the other day about how it really comes down to like be number one believing in yourself and that you have a story to to tell like there's a reason that you're drawn to all of this which I think is important to always keep in mind. And then the importance of, of authenticity, especially now, even, even the way you, even the way you maybe sell your stuff can be your own personal thing and the way you present your work and, and having all of your personal experiences be, be in your whole, you know, portfolio of whatever it is that you make is more important than ever. And uh, it's also, unfortunately, there's a lot of kind of, kind of like, uh, I don't want to call it di disposable because I don't know, that's not, that's not a nice word, but I, I do see it a lot on Instagram where I feel like people are just making stuff to post it mm -hmm. and not curating their content enough where it's like, um, okay, if you want to actually grow this and, and, and have an authentic voice and be someone unique, you have to pay really you know, close attention to what you're doing. And, and, and some, as you say, like some things can just be that you're practicing or just making because you want to try this out, but it doesn't mean that you have to post that necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, or, or do if that's fun, whatever, you know, but, but like, as we're talking about more of this sort of like an, like an art brand kind of thing, or, or that you really want to develop into uh, like having this be your profession. I feel like, like, um, there is a, a sense of, you do have to be, you do have to curate yourself in a, in a way. 
and uh, just do your best to to really just have your unique voice and 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 trust that. Yeah, and I think I think too that's why it's sometimes nice to have kind of uh, I wouldn't call it a hobby or a side hustle, but like for me, say with my own art, I feel like I can you know I'm not under this pressure of like you know, you need to post this many times a day and you need to, you know, use this hashtag and blah, 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 blah. I can kind of curate that how I want as to where other people that are in the industry like me, where I'm like a content creator, you know, that's kind of like the arty side of me is like my other personality, but the content creator crafty side, I know what you mean about people are just churning out content and churning out projects. And it's like, well, that kind of looks a lot like what you did last time, but (laughs) The pressure so on us as content creators in that community to just always like have something new and have a new blog post and have a new Instagram thing. And, you know, it's just like, you feel like you're on this like wheel of like, dude, I can't make another thing like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what, Jen, though? But like right now we're seeing, seeing it develop with our own eyes and we're kind of witnessing um, this new era and uh, even, you know, even in the past five years, something like Instagram, which, you know, let's face it, that's where a lot of this stuff lives. Um, it's changed so much and it's going to continue to change and evolve. And I strongly believe that, um, kind of, uh, number one, not, not letting it take over your, your life too, is really important because, um, we have a little, exercise that we we do sometimes at retreats where it's the question is you know think of it think of this seriously like what would you do with your project or business if instagram disappeared Mm -hmm. if nobody was watching or just one day like there's a bug and it's gone like the app is gone and you know like truly think of that what is where else are you what are your does you know what about your local community does anyone know you there or, um, you, you know, like, what if your income is all coming from something that you post on Insta and then what are you going to do if, if that goes away? Like, it's a possibility. Yeah. And nobody should ever like build a house on rented property, as they say, like, I'm old enough to remember, you know, MySpace or Vine mm-hmm. or Friendster. Yeah. I, f- I feel like a lot of people do that where their main gig is Instagram and it's just like, yeah. Yeah, no, for, I mean, I, I remember all that, all that stuff too. And they, um, some, some people sometimes even kind of publicly, uh, kind of, I mean, I guess the, the word would be complain where it's like, well, this algorithm, it's not fair. And it's kind of like, I get where you're coming from. Cause a lot of people got used to making their money from, from views and stuff. And, and it's like, okay, that might've been a little thing that happened for a few years, but you have to understand that these apps are not gonna do what you want them to do the whole you know like mm-hmm. they can change and they can decide to sudden you know like random a random thought was like okay what if instagram decided to charge users a uh, su- subscription or suddenly and maybe the users would drop by 90 percent you know just a weird just just those kinds of thoughts i feel like are important to to know if you're actually building this like long-term um, creative endeavor. And, uh, it's always important to, as you, I love what you just said about not building on, on a rented house. It's, this is just a service that you're using now, but, but you can be, it can be something way bigger 
bigger than that. Yeah. You, I mean, always remember that you don't own Instagram, so you can't, you can't make them do it. Yeah. You yeah. And you, you should always diversify the way you, your output, but you should also diversify, especially in our industry, your, your income, you should always have it coming from, you know, multiple streams in like, I kind of touched on this a second ago, but you do Skillshare classes. So what are your, what are your thoughts on people that are, you know, thinking about adding that to their repertoire? Like I've been, I've been kind of eyeballing the Skillshare, the teachables. It seems like, it seems like online classes are a pretty awesome form of relatively passive income. Like full disclosure here, Skillshare is my main source of income. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm part of a program that's called top teachers and it's like the, it's like in the 1%. And, uh, so for me, I, I have no, nothing bad to say about Skillshare at all because, um, for me, it's been like the best thing that's ever happened to my business, honestly. And, um, it's, I, 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 I would be curious to talk to someone who's just gotten on Skillshare as a teacher because I joined many years ago when it was starting out and before it was even subscription based, you know, like it's, uh, so I've been, I've been with them from, from the beginning and, and, uh, I have a really special place in my heart and my business with Skillshare. But, um, so what I can say is that it's, uh, it's an amazing community and there's so much to learn there. And, um, if you have something to teach that has not been taught, cause that that's something that I would definitely look out for. Um, just kind of like, if you have an idea for a class, I would investigate first to see if it already exists. Cause there's, um, if you have something unique to, to share, I feel like it's a great place to, to upload a class. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And, um, and you get, you know, you get paid your royalties depending on how many people are are watching your class and, and, you know, um, people can upload their projects and it's really cool. And, and, you know, I, I will say too, that I say about 90% of the people that come to my retreats come through cause they took my Skillshare class like and, that. uh, yeah. And they, you know, they like the way I teach and, and, and all that. And so, um, I think how it's many, a, how many classes do you have now through the Skillshare? Um, I think I have seven right now, but, um, my classes are really different than other classes on the platform because, um, mo- most classes are, are a little bit quicker and maybe like last a half hour and are more, um, kind of like, I'm going to teach you this, this certain project and, and, and my classes are more of like, a, a longer program. So my classes can last up to four hours and, uh, you, I mean, you, the cool thing about Skillshare too, is that you don't have to sit there and you know, right. take it. You can take as long as you want. You can take a year if you want. To you can take, take those little artist dates in the park once a week. Yeah. Your cheese you can, by yourself and take your class. Oh my God. I want to, I want to do that right now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. And, and, and so like the, all the classes are divided in lessons too. So as you say, you can like break them down. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the, the sort of the, me- the method that I have to teach is that I, uh, really like to sort of have the class finish, finish with this like complex project where, where it's like, Hey, like, let's actually try and make something that's, that's something you never thought you could, you could make maybe like, uh, I have a class where you make this like 
really intricate and detailed uh, piece of jewelry and everyone's projects are, oh my God, Jen, they're so good. Like everyone's painting these like realistic diamond rings and necklaces and it just, um, and it all came from an idea that I, uh, I, I was painting these, uh, it was a commission editorial for, uh, I think it was Glamour or Vanity Fair, both Glamour and Vanity Fair both had me do these projects with um, different jewelry pieces. And uh, it's not something I would usually paint, but I said, I'm up for it. And I, as you say, I want to like switch it, you know, switch it up a little. And I, and I painted these, these jewelry and then, and then I was like, oh, how can I break, how can I break this down? This is such a complex piece of art um, that looks so realistic and, and stuff. Like, how can I make this into really simple exercises that work so that you can work your way up to making something that looks really, really difficult. So that's kind of like the, there's a lot of like warm up exercises in, in my classes. A lot of, uh, someone described it in a, as like the wax on, wax off of Karate Kid. I like I don't know. Someone's, yeah, someone left that in a review and I thought that was, that was sweet because it's like, um, you're, so you're practicing this stuff that looks really simple right now and it's no big deal. But then as it progresses, it's like, okay, now we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to just add this. And then you know, the next thing you know, you're making this like super complex, amazing piece of art. So, um, that's, so that's sort of like the methodology behind my, my, my classes. And, um, and I really, I love my students. Everyone is so good and amazing. And, and I love seeing everyone's projects and it's, uh, it's, it's my favorite thing. And, uh, and I think, I think you guys, I think I have seven classes now and I'm working on two more for this year. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I, I was looking through there. I saw the one you're talking about, about like the jewelry and gemstones. And I was just like, Ooh, that one looks good. I mean, and the nice thing about Skillshare is too, is, you know, not only just for teachers, but they have a really nice affiliate program too. I, uh, just recently applied for, you know, you gotta think of income hearing for a podcast, but you know, so on both sides of that, referring people mm. for Skillshare. They they are a, a great company. I've I've been to their headquarters a couple of times, and um, what I can say about them is that they're always growing and learning, and they're really open. And um, I love that they have these affiliate programs, and they are really fair with their teachers and helpful. And um, I think it's a a great company. And I've seen the people in real life, and I know them that that work there. And um, I can't say enough you know, good things about them. And, and I know they're just always, always trying to get better and better and, and, you know, find ways to, to reward all kinds of creators. Yeah, no, they already, I mean, they've been on my radar for a long time. So they already seem to be doing a great job of that for someone thinking of starting their own class. Like you said, you know, do your research, make sure it doesn't already exist. Or if it does, you have a very new spin on it. How, like, how passive would you call that income stream? Like how much do you, because I could start and take your class tomorrow and then somebody else could start it in a week. Like how much do you have to be involved once your class is up and online? You know what I mean? How much like extra work is, is there? Well, it all depends on how many students you have. Mm-hmm. So I would say that if, um, like I have, uh, over 50,000 students Whoa. and yeah, it's a lot. And I'm so happy. Honestly, Congratulations. That's amazing. I don't mind 
that at all. I don't mind checking with your pro. I love it. I, and you know, there's like, um, discussion boards and people can leave the questions and I sit there and honestly respond and send links and like, I'm really into it. And, um, but it's not like something that is insane and takes over your life. You know, it's, it's really doable and, and it's really manageable. And even someone like, like me that has a bunch of students, um, I can still handle it and, and your royalties will, you know, keep coming as long as you have students watching your, your classes. Mm-hmm. And, um, so like, I, maybe I can talk for like my friend Nadia, who does the magic jungle with us. She recently uploaded her first Skillshare class and she's sort of been, um, you know, kind of keeping me in, in the loop, how it's, how, and how it's going. And, and, you know, she was really happy. I think she just reached like 200 students, which is really good. And, um, so, you know, and she, she said, Hey, you know, I got my first check. This is really cool. And, and she's planning on doing another one. So, it, you know, it all depends on how many people are watching and taking your classes. But um, as long as you have something that I that is not has not been done before, or that you feel you have something you, unique to share, I feel like it's totally worth it. And it's really not that big of an investment either. I mean, it all depends on how you do your classes. But um, I, I personally think it's totally worth it to teach and learn on Skillshare. Okay. Well, good to know. I, I may, uh, <laughs> I may hit you up for more hot burning questions about that down. Oh yeah. Anytime down the line. Yeah. And I guess too, when, when I say like passive, I meant like, you know, is there like a bunch of extra work, but you know, people forget for people like you and I, and in the creative world that a lot of times like dealing with a posting board or, you know, talking to your students, that's not, that's not work. You know, for us, like, I know what you mean. Like, you love seeing what people are doing and how they're using what you've taught them. I, when people send me pictures of craft projects that they've made or learned from me, like, I love it. Like, it makes me so happy. Like, yes. Like, oh my God. That's not work. That's like, yay. Yeah. You would, I think you would love it then. (laughs) I think you would really like it. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it's important for a lot of, especially in this new environment, um, working artists there's a lot of different ways that you can that you can make this passive income which you know what my definition of passive income would be that you make something once and just like you know upkeep you know like keep it up but you don't have to like constantly be making new art because that can be really tiring um like uh if you're if you work in for example like editorial or something um you can it can get really crazy where you're if you're not making new art you're not making money and you and every month changes and stuff like having these sort of passive income streams are is great like even people that um I don't know if you know creative market uh for example which do have you heard of that one creative market no not sure that I have are they classes no no it's uh it's sort of like artists that sell their uh, like files. So you can make, mm, someone can make like, let's say, uh, I'm going to paint, uh, leaves for them to be icons and you upload a, like a PSD file and then you, you sell that and you can sell the royal royalty a million times. And, and, um, there's people that make like a million a year off of that. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, I've read this article of like, 
this artist in Australia that makes six figures with, with creative market because she sells like watercolor, like borders or, or lettering samples or people that create fonts, for example, mm-hmm. or people that even photography. Um, but it's like, a, it's a very like curated website. So, so that's another example of, of passive income that I think is really cool. And, and maybe you don't want to teach, you know, not everyone enjoys that or feels comfortable with, with, with explaining and teaching. And, um, and my point is that there's like many different ways to, to take advantage of the, the internet mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and, and use your talents in all these different ways so that you can be comfortable and not having to hustle as much and be able to, to actually enjoy making the art that, that you want to be making. Yeah. And now I know that you have, um, several licensing deals where, you know, big companies have used your art. Do you do anything like, I don't know, like minted or anywhere where I don't want to say like Redbubble, that's not the one I'm looking for, but somewhere where you could like society six where people could buy your prints, just Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're totally like hands off for the most part. Like it's there, people download it. Um, well, okay. So I, I, a bigger, like my second income stream would be art licensing. Okay. But licensing is really different than selling your, your own art for that. I have an Etsy shop, um, mm-hmm. which is currently in vacation mode. Cause I have not, since my wedding happened, I was like, I can't deal with this right now, but I usually have an, an Etsy shop. Um, but art licensing is a totally different model, which is also amazing. And some, some artists like focus purely on on licensing mm-hmm. um now to get into that industry can it's a there's a lot of hard work that that goes there like I um I work with I love my clients they're so they're so amazing you know uh, I like greeting cards are my bigger thing like Hallmark and Papyrus and um these these kind of companies uh they you know a, a license is you create art and it can be something that you already made and you're already even selling in your Etsy shop, let's say. Mm-hmm. And um, you get paid for, you know, permission to use that art on their product for a certain amount of time. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, it's different that way. And you have contracts and it can, you know, it's a whole, it's not necessarily like you're making commission art for, for these companies. It's more like you have, your, your ongoing portfolio and, and they have you as one of their artists. And then, um, you just sign different, different deals. And, and to, to get into that, I, uh, I attended this huge trade show that, that, that was, I think like a big turning point in, in, in my business and my art career was actually, I asked for a loan. I didn't have money. I was just selling on Etsy and, and I knew I needed to sign up to this big trade show. It's called Surtex. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and there's a few more. There's like Blueprint, and, and there's a couple out there, but it's expensive. It's like, oh, it's like four grand just for yeah, the thousands of dollars for those things. Yeah, and some people even spend like ten thousand dollar. I mean, I didn't spend that much. For me, it was like a five thousand dollar investment, but I didn't have that money, and I needed to borrow it, and I did, and um, it changed everything. Like taking those risks and actually, like, hey, I really want to make something out of this. Um, and now they have they have programs for people that are first timers, and it's like it's only like eighteen hundred as opposed to like the huge, you know. So there's there's definitely ways, but for for me that was totally the way that I got into licensing, and I attended I exhibited there for three years, and that's also how how I met um, 
a lot of the artists around the world that are that are really amazing and it's it, it's a big difference when you guys have met in person you know what i mean like you you there's a a good connection there and then these kind of trade shows are all it's a it's a private event so so the only people there are artists and art buyers mm-hmm. so it's uh business only you know what i mean it's like no i know what you mean we have this we have yeah. conventions within like the craft industry where like the big like you know all the paint companies will come or all the glue companies and it's just store owners and you know the buyers for michaels or you know whatever and then the, the companies that make it so and i know oh, yeah i know those booths cost a gazillion dollars but you know like you said it's in the end like that's how you get the exposure and it's worth it now do you have an agent you work with or do you like do all your own wheeling and dealing Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that craft uh, show sounds interesting. Um, (laughs) the, I, I'm an independent because I, I totally get the idea of having a, an agent because, um, it can be overwhelming. And, uh, for me, it was never a big deal to communicate with the clients and buyers. Like I always was pretty good at that part. Um, but a lot of people are like, all I want to do is paint. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to negotiate anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was it was enough to. I kept myself independent, and I, you know, that money that would have gone to like an agent, let's say, or that percentage, in the end, it all went straight to me because I I did it. I was the one sitting at my booth, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm sure, it's just a matter of. Yeah, but. I, but I, but I do, I, that doesn't mean that I haven't had, I haven't paid for guidance or, um, I do work. I just had a session with her yesterday, actually. I do work with, a with like a brand strategy expert and for artists and, um, you know, what I, what I mean is I do, in, I do invest in, 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 in my business in that sense with, with guidance and coaching and, and all that. I feel like it's really important. And, um, you know, it can be really confusing. Which direction am I going in? Is this a, a good decision to make? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, you know, handling your own art business is, uh, can be super overwhelming and confusing. No, and, yeah, it, and, and I mean, that could be a whole other, like, class series in book for you, because I, I feel like that's a big industry. I feel like uh, Lisa Congdon, if you're familiar with her work, has really started to pivot her career from not only being like an artist but also being like an expert on guiding artists through selling their art you know and then I also like I see that uh that online class with uh Lila Rogers Lila Rogers that make art that sells do you see that yeah 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 yeah. so I mean you know it's a it must be a fairly big industry if I keep seeing it pop up that's that's basically what magic jungle is like we we do personal so for for me the reason that i don't do it in a such a public way because because um like i really enjoy being on your podcast for example and sometimes like talking about this on stories and stuff but i feel that it's such a personal thing like it's a like every artist is different and everyone is in a different position and uh, the reason that, for example, I haven't really done like an online class on this or something 
is that I, I love keeping it in these more intimate environments. Um, and you know, one of my classes is exactly this, it's called sources of income for creatives. And so it's like, it goes through like editorial licensing, um, you know, all these different things that we've been talking about. And and I will link to that in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's what we do in in, in Magic Jungle. We we talk all about this. And um, so I I I do know Lisa and I do know Leela, and they're they're amazing. And it's really cool that there's all these different sources because it's nobody teaches you. Like there's no there's no like a bachelor degree on being like a you know an independent art brand the way that we know now Mm -hmm. um you know you can go to school for like I my major was uh like graphic design my minor was fine arts but nobody taught me how to create my business this way and like Instagram didn't even exist when I when I went to I graduated in 2008 so um you know it's like it, it changes so much and there's a lot to to learn along the way yeah and like like you said it's always it's always changing so by the time you by the time you teach it, you almost need to have like a footnote about like, yeah, like, Hey, check back in a year. Cause it might be totally different now. And that, that's, that's another reason why I really like doing it in person. Cause, um, I feel like that content can get, can be obsolete really quick. And I'm scared of giving someone advice that, that maybe doesn't apply anymore or that I would kind of listen back to and cringe. Cause I was like, Oh, that was that like that, that way, but it's not like that now. And mm-hmm. it's a really kind of tricky subject because there's, there's just a lot, a lot to learn. And, and, and I love it. All. Oh no. Yeah. Everyone is. And, and, and some people, um, it's also about sort of knowing what happiness or, you know, success means to you. Mm-hmm. And some people don't mind like the grind and the burnout and like my life is only this and I want to make this money. But, you know, and some people prefer peace of mind and being like, I'm happy at just, you know, making enough to cover my groceries, but it's like a side thing that I really love doing. And so like everyone has different um, different ways that they want to do this and that's fine. Yeah. But it's about you know, it's figuring it out. Like, what yeah. do you really want? To each is already own. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's amazing that everyone is like, all this stuff is available now. I love it. It's, it's great. Yeah. There's such a, there's like a wealth of information. It reminds me of like, my husband and I always joke, like when we went to college at the internet, it wasn't like it is now. Like it was like old school, like going and like busting out the Dewey Decimal System to do a research <laughs> paper. When And, and now I'm like, graduate. What year did I graduate? God. Yeah. Don't make me say that out loud. Oh, God. Ago. I mean, I, honestly, I'm like trying to think like yeah. in the 90s, like 98, maybe I did. That was, hmm? yeah, no, that, that was just a, like such an interesting time in, um, in internet, like computers were there, but it wasn't like, it's hard to explain to someone who was born in the night, like, cause I was born in the 80s. Yeah, I lived lived through that. I was a little bit younger, but I still remember the dial-up, and I still remember, you know, having the clunky computers in school and all that stuff. And it's it's hard, right, to to explain to younger generations what that what that looked like. Exactly, and like you know, doing a report meant literally like picking up a book and looking at it. But it was kind of the same thing when I first started my jewelry business, Naughty Secretary Club. Like I can remember 
buying books like physical books because there wasn't the internet and all this like wealth of information about starting a business like I would have to go buy like the dummies guide for starting a website and then I would have to buy like the gorilla marketing handbook you know all of these books like there wasn't a book on like marketing a DIY jewelry business but you know I was having to read these other generalized marketing things and now there's just such a wealth of information out there for people, whether it be, you know, an online class or a retreat or a podcast, like. That's amazing. I love, I love that. It's, uh, sometimes I think we forget how good we have it now in that, in that sense, um, or just how comfortable, how comfortable and, and fast everything is now. Um, accessible, uh, growth, you know, like growth can be, can happen a lot quicker. And there's all, obviously also something very romantic about how, how it used to be, uh, but you know what's what's really cool i think now what i appreciate the most is is being able to honestly like do what you love like that phrase has been used over and over again but i feel like it's true like as long as you're authentic and you're being true to yourself and and you have good intentions and you like have something interesting that you want to make and share it can totally be done and it's like there's so much information out there and and uh, including like your podcast, for example, these conversations are, I, I listen to, to these, you know, all the time and I love it. I love hearing other creatives and what their process is and what their struggle is and, you know, getting ideas, you know, I'm, you know, oh, I find myself in that situation too. You know, what did she do? What did he do? Um, it's amazing. I, I love it. No, yeah, I I am very grateful for for every last podcast and web article. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, real quick, I want I won't keep you much longer, but I want to I want to wrap up with a couple couple little quick personal questions. So first of all, you you mentioned that you just got married and you had all kinds of uh, handmade touches, and I we talked about that you have a class on designing or painting like gemstones and stuff. I was actually going to ask you if you painted like your wedding invitations or the. <laughs> the, main, the main cards but you already said that but I'm curious did you oh rings oh my god I not only did I make my wedding invitations I spent a year collecting different wildflowers from all my travels and from all around the world and like I pressed those flowers and every single invitation had a different pressed flower on it. oh my gosh <laughs> I know it was crazy it was like it was insane um so to answer your question, I did make my my invitations, and they were uh, very crafty, <laughs> very elaborate. I'm telling you, this is your next book. This is your next skillshare <laughs> class. Like, oh my god, DIY yes. handmade wedding stuff. Yeah, it, it was it was really fun. That's I think aside from the actual day and the you know how beautiful it was, and seeing all the people I love was making you know making these crafts for the wedding was my favorite part. It was amazing. I'll tell you what was like super amazing. I mean, you look beautiful. The wedding looked Aww. beautiful. I saw your picture on Instagram, but I want to talk about your husband's suit because <laughs> that thing was amazing. Like it was like floral. It was white. And I was like, I want to renew my vows so my husband can wear that outfit. <laughs> so, tell me all about it. He got so many comments on his outfit. So, um, the wedding, the dress code was floral. So all the guests were dressed in floral attire, you know, except for a few dudes that <laughs> didn't get the memo, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, 
the system. It's totally fine. I, you know, it was suggested, suggested um, dress code was floral. So, you know, everyone came in different floral prints and we just thought like, it's going to look beautiful in photos to have all the guests be wearing floral prints. And, and it did, it looked really pretty. So I was like, then that means that, so like my, um, I had this like cape and it was floor, it was had like embroidered, which I bought on Etsy. I bought everything that I didn't make. I bought on Etsy, like FYI. <laughs> and I love, I love that. Like supporting the small businesses, make all this cool stuff. And then I, I went to ASOS and looked for three different floral suits and I let him choose out of those three <laughs> and he chose that one. So it's from ASOS and it's probably sold out now because, because it was a while ago, but, um, Oh, but yeah, he was, he was uh, brave enough to wear it. And, and it turned out that it was like everyone's favorite thing. <laughs> right. I mean, he rocked it. It looked, it looked good. I mean, you looked beautiful, but you know, they say don't like outshine the bride, but if you, <laughs> if, if you pick that suit, like you've got nobody to blame but yourself, but no, y'all did. Both of you looked, both oh, of you looked you. so spiffy. I loved it. All right. So last question. I ask everybody this, but it's, it's kind of funny since you live in Mexico city I always ask everybody about queso because like here in Austin, like Tex-Mex, like it's like, it's a, it's a pretty big deal here in Austin. I'm not going to lie to you. Is it like even like a thing in Mexico or is it just like frowned upon? Like, oh, we don't really eat queso. Like that's a, that's, that's <laughs> well, for us, for us, queso is queso and queso just means cheese in general. So any kind of cheese is called queso. Uh-huh. Um, so if you have like queso Oaxaca, it's the specific kind of cheese from Oaxaca. Or if you have queso manchego, it's like the Spain-inspired type of cheese. Or if you, so for us, it's like all cheese is just queso, but we say queso. And I think what you mean is the queso is like the thing that you, like the dipping stuff, right? Is that what it would be? In a nutshell, like we don't, it's like Velveeta cheese, like... Uh-huh melted into like a liquid form so there's probably like no actual dairy in it a lot of times and then it has like you know like tomatoes and onions I mean people do fancier versions of it but yeah it's like the liquid okay questionable cheese that you so in Mexico that doesn't exist (laughs) we don't have that I thought that might be your answer that it was frowned upon you're like yeah yeah a lot of the well, it's like, that's more like Tex-Mex, right? It's like, yeah. it's, it's like a different style of, of food, but it's funny that a lot of, um, since like you're in Texas, you obviously know that that's like a whole, uh, type of food and some people call it Mexican food, but in reality it's like Tex-Mex food, which is like delicious on its own. It's a, but it's different, but mm-hmm. you know, like for example, in Mexico, like sour cream doesn't exist. Like we don't even have that here. And you know, Velveeta cheese obviously doesn't exist either and <laughs> so a lot of the the food that might be um associated with with Mexico like we don't even we don't even have that here or like hard taco shells don't exist here either um so it's really funny to to see that but but a lot of us from Mexico when we go to the U.S. it's like uh it's like fun for us like let's go to Taco Bell <laughs> it's like different it's just or like sometimes when I go to the U.S. I go to Whole Foods and I buy like taco seasoning because that doesn't exist here either (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of like a different flavor and stuff but um 
So what was the question about queso? No, no, it was just like, if you have it at all, like I knew it was probably like a Tex-Mex thing. And you know, like you yeah. said, here in Austin and in Texas, like we definitely know, like, or at least I do the difference between like, usually what we'd call it as like Tex-Mex versus like, we'd call it like interior Mexican food. Like, mm-hmm. you know, something with like a mole or like, you know, yeah, something, sure. a little fancier. Like I, you know, and like I said, I've been to Mexico several times. I know that the food there, especially along the coast is not, is not what you would get, you know, rolling up to uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been to Austin though, and the food is delicious. Like you guys have a lot of good food. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, queso is good. Like whether yeah, you yeah. Guys, like want it down there, like yeah, jumped all over everything is always okay with me. Yeah, um, it's it's good. It's uh, but we don't have it here. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Well, I I haven't eaten that much. An artist date. Oh my god! Just take yourself on a queso date with your little artist day, and there you have it. And you're just you're ready. I love that, Jen. That's so that's so good. You have such a fun podcast, including your name. And I told you when I told my husband about it, um, he was like, "That's a great name," because he has a podcast network person. So it's like, I was like, "Yeah, I love it," and um, I love that you end your interviews with that. That's so cool. He's like creative cheese. Like, what is that about? Like, you gonna talk about cheese trays? <laughs> he gets it though. It's like, oh yeah, queso. Oh good. Well, tell him that I love his suit, and thank you for coming on and for chatting and being so generous with all your information. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. This was really fun, and I hope I get to meet you in in real life soon. I know. I want to come to one of your things. Either that or come back. Come back to yeah, Austin. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so, so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So who wants to join me in the Magic Jungle next year? Talk about arty bucket list material. If you can't make it to Mexico or Morocco, you can always take one of Anna's classes on Skillshare. Make it an artist date. Also, be sure to pick up a copy of Anna's new book, Creative Watercolor, a step-by-step guide for beginners, and follow her on Instagram at A-N-A-V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A-N-A to keep up with all of her latest happenings. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Creative Queso podcast and hanging out with me, your host, Jennifer Perkins. If you enjoyed this episode, a review in iTunes really helps me get this podcast found. You could also share a screenshot on Instagram and tag me at Creative Queso. And guess what else? I'm on all the other major social media platforms. And I just recorded my first Creative Queso video interview over on Facebook. My guest is professional organizer Chapel Oates. Even creatives need to get their glitter and glue straight. Guys, again, I am Jennifer Perkins. You can find me at creativecaso.com or jenniferperkins.com if you're feeling crafty. One more thank you to my guest, Anna Victoria Calderon. As always, thank you, Mariah Gossett, my producer, for making me sound smooth and easy. And the man behind the music, the dude I love, my husband, Chris Beck. Thank you, guys, and I'll talk to you next time.